Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome back to this second series of Headstrong, a podcast where I sit down with a variety of individuals in the public eye to talk to them about their lives and everything that they've experienced. This second series is a Rugby World Cup special, so I am sitting down exclusively with rugby players, both past and present, to talk to them about their experiences in the world of rugby and around it. I've also partnered up with Restart Rugby, the official charity of the RPA, so we're trying to help raise money for them. On this week's episode of Headstrong, I travelled up to Gloucester to go and speak to ex-England rugby player, but now Gloucester rugby player and former Bath player, Matt Banahan. I sat down with Matt to talk to him about the difficulties he faced having played 12 years at Bath Rugby Club and transitioning over to Gloucester, one of their biggest rivals. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me on this episode of Headstrong. Uh, I imagine that the season, uh, you're, you're fully prepared now down here at Gloucester for 2019-20, uh, in fact. How's it all going here? Yeah, it's going well. It's obviously been a pretty long pre-season. Um, yeah. Even uh, out of all the pre-seasons I've, I've been involved in, it's probably one of the tough ones just because of the length of it. Um, an extra four or five weeks of trading um, just more load on the body and then knowing that you've got so now we're into the season it's uh, 11 games back to back before any sign of a, a little break well I just caught kind of some of the end of training there everyone seems to be to be looking in pretty good shape also well before this once this episode comes out fortunately the first match will have happened but I see that um Quite a lot of crossfield kicks going on in training. I think that's just the, where we've seen just practicing. A lot in, going on in the World Cup, actually. Yeah, it's just where the space, obviously, 
defences want to be more aggressive so that leaves some, some space behind and it's, it's just a skill where you've got to practice it to get better at um, obviously we looked quite happy today obviously first Prem week going into it and plus it's probably the first time it hasn't rained in two weeks the boys are a little bit more um, not drenched of the out of all their enthusiasm but um, boys were quite happy to be out on the pitch working a bit harder afterwards as well It's been a year now since you made that move from Bath to Gloucester uh, you spent 12 years at Bath and that's kind of all that you've ever known after you, you've done your one season here at Gloucester do you feel now completely settled in and you're completely used to that that change yeah I, to be honest, I, I felt quite settled in probably after um, we played Bath last year yeah um, it was probably it was t- probably the toughest game in my career um, I didn't think it'd be hard but come from the point of uh, changing a different side of the changing rooms uh, warming up at a different end of the pitch um, they're quite big factors playing a game um, in the end you, you, you've done a pre-season you've played pre-season games you know what team you're playing for you're not going to make the same mistake run into the other team with the wrong shirt on but um, knowing all the, all the supporters there because I've been there for so long um, was, the, was the hard bit but like I said you just want to keep moving forward and not look back I had 12 great years at Bath and yeah it, was sort of, it didn't end perfectly but um, obviously you can't I said I finished playing it, it felt like I was just playing for my local club I enjoyed it so much at, at Bath like I'd turn up I'd, I'd play it felt like I wasn't even sort of being professional because I'd been there for so long um, and I got to that point of where I, I had my hand forced and I, I felt like a, a move to a club like Gloucester would have been good for me and um, looking at last year and I think 24 games I, I played in or, and I can't ever that was a brilliant start to a season at a a new club Mm -hmm. Um, playing obviously multiple positions and and doing what I did Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it and looking back uh, I wouldn't have changed the move for anything I I can say I gave 12 great years to Bath and I've had uh, one amazing year so far at Gloucester and I'm hoping to follow up with a couple more Just looking back at that that first match back at Bath Obviously, you mentioned there that the it was so different because of your your long period at Bath. But what were those emotions when you first stepped into the away dressing room compared to your your home dressing room that you'd been so used to? What were you feeling at that it, time? It was it was quite humorous. I was just laughing to myself because when you uh, used to train down at the rec as an academy player or a young player, the senior boys used to go in the home change room, and if you were a youngster, you used to train get changed in the away change room, and it sort of had that sort of flashback memory of um, having to work hard and earn your place in the in the main change room um, but got in there warmed up and went down the far end and all of the season ticket holders that you recognise from the previous years are still in the same place and you're, mm. you're having a little bit of a laugh and all you want to do is is still perform well um, and that's that's the biggest stress is that the, the previous year the second from last game was Bath versus Gloucester at King's Home um, and we won that playing for Bath and at the same time that was stressful because I wanted to show Gloucester what they were getting and obviously showing Bath what they were losing so to perform well in that and you flip it on the head the following season it's at the wreck for King's Home and I wanted to play well again and show Bath what they'd lost and Gloucester what they're getting for the season And Did that add a, like was that added pressure that you didn't really necessarily want because obviously making your first appearance for your, your new club first game is yeah. enough pressure probably anyway but for it to be against your club that you know and have breathed for 12 years yeah it, it, there's, there's, there's pressure it's, it's one of those tough because obviously I still live in Bath I still see the, the, the Bath fans the Bath locals that they're, they're still very supportive of me and it's great but it's that that pressure that you put on yourself as a professional athlete to to perform well whatever colour whoever you're playing for um, 
if if somebody else moved another club, you want them to perform well to their, their ability. And I didn't. I never want my levels to drop. Whoever I'm playing for, if I ever get lucky enough to wear a different shirt, or if it's it won't, won't be England, but if it was England, or if it was Barbarians, or if it was some um, selective team that. Uh, you want to show them what you have the ability to do in that shirt you never want your levels to drop and that was it's an easy excuse for if I perform poorly in that game against Bath that Bath would have said oh that's why we let him go and I didn't want people to to say that because it's such a uh, a cop out so that's the pressure I put on myself to, to perform is that I want people to go we shouldn't have let him go he could have done that here and then that, that keeps maintaining your, your standards to, to improve and play well each week for anyone listening, by the way, we are at the Hartbury training facility uh, where Gloucester boys train. Uh, and conveniently, they have just started, I don't know what they're really doing out there, mowing or blowing something out there on the pitch. And that's probably what you can hear, yeah, guys. Blow, blowing the cut grass off the pitch. Yeah, so uh, sorry about that interruption, but don't worry about it. Uh, so huge congratulations to you and the team on last season. You didn't win the Premiership, but boy, did you guys show that you're real contenders and you're stepping into 1920 as you know a serious team to to face what is it about Gloucester that you guys bring such a fight to your play of rugby what is it about the the team and the management and all the players that brings that fight um for me I just think that the club has is run well from the very top from Martin um he's put people in position um to do a job and there's no sort of cross jobs going on people getting involved in everybody else's and that that when that comes down to the coaching staff that they can get get on with their job and as as David Humphreys is a director of rugby puts the squad in place that Yoan wants Yoan puts his coaches in place and they coach their way and then it's a, it's a clear plan of how boys want to play and the, the, how we want to execute a game style um, and from that we want to be able to a team that can play from everywhere and score from everywhere um, and if you look at some of the trials we scored last year if they were on the opposition's try line we scored some great tries if we were on our own try line we scored a few from from there um, and by doing that you you make it harder for teams to analyse you and perform and get well against you so we, we give ourselves the uh, the best opportunity to, to win games um, and like you said we were we were unfortunate we, we lost the, the semi-final but we had first time in eight years reaching a semi-final mm. um, I think beating Northampton away for the first time in X amount of years um, beating other teams other places we then seemed to beat Saracens and Exeter in, a, in the same season um, and, and these are small things that breed confidence and breed obviously that was last year you have to draw a line in the sand um, but you can build on that momentum and positivity though there's no doubt that Gloucester's season this year is going to be hopefully they're going to be aspiring for higher and higher exactly. you guys we're definitely going to be aspiring but it's that that point of with the, with the length of the off season momentum's quite hard to carry through that you mm. have to you have to start again the positivity will be there because we believe in what we do um, but like I said there's a lot of other good teams and we have to go in each game we'll play going against the first Prem game this week against Sale who are who have brought very well but like you said will they perform straight away and the challenge for us is like you said when a good player comes into the season and plays well that second season syndrome mm. people know what's going to come you've got to stay one, one step ahead of the game and improve we can't improve every area of exactly. the game well. and we can't sit back and like you said you watch training today we're doing stuff we hadn't done last season mm. um, but you've got to practice it but at the same time you've got to do what you did last year even better than you did as well as laying on new detail and that's what we're we're trying to do and aspiring to do going into the season definitely so I know you're a huge huge family man as well how did they find that transition from you moving from Bath to Gloucester because I know that (laughs) maybe some of their loyalties in terms of support certainly stayed the same but how did did they find that 
Um, yeah, it's my my wife was a Bath girl, so she sports Bath. She played for Bath. She played for England ladies. She played for England touch. Um, and her dad was chairman of Bath um, before it turned professional and then stepped off. He's been a box holder down at Bath since the boxes were built down at the end. So they are a Bath through and through. But same time, when it was all happening and I was explaining what was going on, what was said to me, um, they supported me for everything. Um, and that was the, the nicest thing is when people support you, um, that it gives you that confidence that you're doing the right thing. Um, with my children, my two daughters, absolutely couldn't give a monkey about sport um, <laughs> they just want their, their cuddly dolls and the stuff like that um, but my son is, is very alert very uh, astute I tell him that in theory he will be a Bath fan because he's from Bath but he can support his dad who plays for Gloucester um, so he's got both shirts at the same time he's a big football fan um, like myself we support Liverpool mm. so I try and teach him that the aspects of professional sport that people do move teams um, so he loved when Danny Ings was at Liverpool when Danny Ings moved I said you can still support him at, at Southampton you can still be a Danny Ings fan you can you support your local team um, the team you support but you can still support people and I think by that behaviour it will take away the um, I don't know how the, the, the aggressive side of sport where people believe people are traitors people are trying to make a living people are are trying to do what's best for them. People yeah, sometimes it's not just a matter of support, and you know, it's a professional decision for their livelihood. Exactly, it's a job. And, yeah, exactly, it's a job. That's the very first thing I ever got taught um, when I was at London Irish Academy by Corin Palmer, and he was like, "You're going in there, loyalty is there, but at the end, rugby is a job. People aren't just going to keep you at the club just because they think you're a good guy. I want you. It's a business, mm. and the the business side is the side that can get ugly. I'm just going to pull this. Yeah, it's fine, um, and you you can. Oh, you can you have to work on it yourself um, and that's what I try and teach my son is that that people do move teams but you can still support one and support somebody else and I think the perfect thing is that with his love for football that he does see people move and as well as seeing me move and he loves sport and it's the best thing about it at the moment that he just enjoys it yeah definitely I've also heard you previously say that uh, if you were to choose three guests at a dinner party yeah. two of those people would be your family members yeah. being your father and your grandfather yeah. when they were younger people why is it for you that family is so important what is it that makes that them you know a lot of your decisions come down to for your family's sake why is it so important to you just because the way I am is how they brought me up um people will come say 18 years old plus and you you'll look at people in the limelight and they could uh affect how you think of things or how you believe in things um, because they're not, not they don't preach, but they that's their beliefs of what they do, and they have a, a stronger platform to promote it. But from 18 years below, you are with your parents. They are the people who mould you into the way you are. And um, like I said I had such a great family upbringing in even Jersey. Obviously, it's a very small island. I was lucky to get off it. Um, but I just think that I'd love to see my father, my grandfather, when they were younger just to see the way, how, what moulded them to be such great people mm. um, to me. Like I said, I, I, I listen to, I read stuff now on people, but how I've brought up is how I then judge other people. So like I said, with people moving teams, my dad would have taught me that, but it's ingrained into me now. It's the same about drinking or doing everything enough. Like during the season, I'll very rarely drink. I probably won't even touch any alcohol mm. because I don't believe, I'll, I've got, I'll play till I'm 35, 36 and then if I finish playing, I'll have got 40 years to drink as much as I want. 
but I want to give this time the best time as I got them that bred into me the, the behavior and habits from my my parents and from my family and I, I I believe that a lot of people aren't successful in sport um, or are successful in sport sorry because of their family and you look at a lot of people the first people they'll always thank is their parents mm. um, they're not going to thank Joe Bloggs who wrote something on the internet with a, a quote two two years prior mm. it's going to be the family and what they've done to help them get to the thing I saw the other day about um, Trent Alexander-Arnold that uh, he, he thanked his brothers because the sacrifices that they gave um, to let him keep his footballing dream and they're small things but they go a long way yeah definitely uh, look Ben Morgan wa- wash, walk, walking around outside a oh is he a trying veranda? to get into this door here this is oh, going to be rather interesting I'm, I'm not even going to open it so um, for those who don't know uh, Ben is going to be doing a podcast with us and yeah. uh, this is fun. I'm going to go get him the raging bull is at the door <laughs> shaking it <laughs> He's losing his te- he's losing his temper yeah. greatly. Oh, the door! Oh, close the door. The blowers the blowers are too strong. Please. Yeah. You sent me on a bit of a goose chase. I did not send you a goose chase. You keep the pictures on your right. Yeah. And then you turn right. No, turn left. I said. Says turn right. Okay, let's double check. Message to Ben Morgan. Ben Morgan. Got a bit of a domestic here, guys. Oh, turn right into the first half. Yeah. yeah, sorry. So, off I went up, turning right, turning right. <laughs> <laughs> really, no, I didn't. Oh, that'd have been world class if you went round. That'd have sent you round the AstroTurf pitch that in a circle. Right up the top, I was wondering why you're five minutes late, actually. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you're next. Am I? Yeah. Um, ben, I reckon we've got 10, 15 minutes left. Yeah. Um, so you can sit in here if you want and laugh at Matt if you want or go chill out and do whatever um, it's up to you alright I'll uh, make myself scarce and leave yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt too Matt Wafflin yeah. hi everybody sorry to interrupt the podcast just a quick word from our two sponsors Headstrong is very fortunate to have found two amazing sponsors and supporters for season two of Headstrong the Rugby World Cup special forming a brilliant partnership between Headstrong, our chosen charity Restart Rugby, and themselves. They cover between them all aspects of global insurance and both have strong historical ties to the wider rugby and well-being communities. Ascot Group is a Bermuda domiciled global specialist in insurance and reinsurance. Built on a foundation of underwriting expertise, but with a culture of collaboration, dedication, empowerment and accountability that is the fabric of the company. Their integrity is reinforced by a strong track record and dedication to clients, brokers and partners. For more information on Ascot Group, visit www.ascotgroup.com. BMS are an entrepreneurial, agile, specialist insurance and reinsurance broker that prides itself on their reputation for exceptional client service and position as one of the leading global brokers. For more information on BMS, visit www.bmsgroup.com. Now, back to the podcast. Sorry for the interruption, guys. Um, so you also have talked about, how, well, I, I've read it myself as well from your, your own social media presence as well. You've got a great sense of humour. Is that also instilled from your family? Um, I just believe that I don't want to grow up yet. Um, like I said, the same thought process is that I can... 
I can grow up when I'm older. I'm only 32. I could still live till I'm 90. I'm not even halfway over my age I could get to. So I still want to enjoy myself. Like I said, I'm jumping out on the family members, my wife, her sisters, her dads. But it's non-offensive, doesn't cost any money. Um, I get a lot of people from the military send me messages saying, I struggle with PTSD. I really enjoy watching these. They make me laugh a lot. Um, and like I said, my family hate me for it, but um, I'm bringing amusement to a lot more than them. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not just limited to them. <laughs> exactly. And like I said, I, I like bringing humour to myself. If it's a, a picture of mm. me um, playing rugby, I'll, I'll always have some sort of sarcastic quote underneath it because I find it's easier to to drag yourself down because it stops others from doing it because mm. always people are looking for that that one chink in your armour and I'll, I'll find I'll take away all the armour and I'll I'll shoot myself with it rather than let somebody else do it um, and I find it's a far easier way to laugh at yourself and keep moving forward yeah totally so just going back to your your rugby career um, as a child you didn't really have much rugby experience until you were about 16 yeah. am I right uh, yeah. and in Jersey what was that rugby scene like? It's quite a, it's, it's a small island for those who don't know, and it's quite, I want to say, isolated, yeah. maybe, to, to the exposure of uh, further UK, afield. Yeah. Um, I'm presuming you didn't really have that much of a rugby setup then there. No, well, to be honest, the, the Jersey Rugby Club is fantastic. It always has been for the youth setup, but I got brought up playing hockey and cricket, my two sport. My dad played um, county and international hockey, um, and so hockey and cricket went well summer and winter. Um, the crossover of them was brilliant. Um, and the only exposure I got for uh, rugby is obviously you have to play at school um, and I played West of England hockey uh, under 17s and I didn't make the national team and I, I'd, obviously you want to be like your, your parents and dedicated a lot of time to hockey and I said oh dad I'm going to play rugby with my mates and I was 16 and it was like uh, just before Christmas um, and I turned up I did one training session then said oh there's a, an under 18s game if you want to play so I went out and played that, played well, and then the first team said, when do you 17? I said, I'm December 30th. And they're, oh, we got a first team match on, I think it was January 2nd, against London Irish Amateurs. Mm-hmm. So, But I could play because I'd been 17. So I ended up playing that, and then from that I then got selected to play H- Hampshire at the end of the year, and six months later I got offered a professional contract. Um, and then from that, put from my first game against London Irish Amateurs, it was four years and four months from that game to my international debut, England, Argentina, Old Trafford. Um, and it just, it wasn't even a whirlwind, it was just a wave. Just had to learn so quickly. So I'd, I'd, I'd played two, uh, well, one game of age group rugby. Everything else was adult rugby wow. at 17. I went straight from adult, playing for Jersey, to then Hampshire, to then moving to London Irish, playing England Sevens, Saxons. Um, it went so fast and... I'm still enjoying that wave now. I'm not playing to the to the international level I had done, but I'm still able to play professional rugby week in week out, and that's the wave I'm still enjoying. Yeah, definitely. As you said, there you can't, you followed in your father's footsteps, playing uh, hockey to a high level until the age of 16, but you weren't picked for the England under 17s uh, in that year. Was it? Was that an important thing in making you maybe choose or transition? Did you always want to play sport oh, yeah. uh, as a profession? So was that quite an important decision at that time? Saying I've got to make I've got to make a new choice now yeah, to I, progress. It was just I I still love sport now. I, I 
my, my son, my daughters, I get them playing multiple sports. I think it's it's a massive part of life that you have to be able to play all sports and have versatility. And um, through that, I think it shows him how I can play rugby. I can play multiple positions, even though they can um, have different attributes of skill that are needed. I'm, be, I'm able to play all of them. Um, and like I said, it's has it did it change me? Did it thing? I, I don't know is the honest answer. I just did it because I believe that that was the best thing for me. Um, my dad supported me, my mum supported me, my brother supported me. It's such a hard thing to say, uh, yeah, I want to be a professional sportsman. At 16, 17, you shouldn't even be thinking about that. Mm. You should generally be playing it to be fun. And that's why I changed from um, playing hockey to try and become play for England, even though it wasn't professional. That was my aspiration, that I wanted to play rugby with my mates. And I think going away every other weekend, playing in London Southwest Three, playing local rugby, and then going out with the, the boys, having a laugh for the rest of the team. I used to play with Sean O'Brien's brother Steve was in our team. Loads of the Jersey boys, some of my best mates, some of my, my kids' godfathers. We had some great times, and and those are the times you look back at and, and enjoy. And I think that's the mentality I've still tried to maintain whilst I play that I enjoy it. Um, and that's why I try and keep a smile on my face. Even I, I'll make mistakes. I'll do bad things on the pitch. I'll fall over. I'll drop a ball. But I'll still try and smile and go. Well, I've got another chance to make up for it. And um, at the end of the day, you, you try and give your best for the team. In your well, obviously you did want to, you have been enjoying your rugby your whole career. But you've also you had some early success as well. And in your first season, uh, you were the highest premier, uh, highest try scorer for your club, yeah. which was pretty awesome. At that kind of point, it had gone so quick. Did you just see the sky's the limit? If I'm truthfully honest with you, like I said, I, I still have to try and pinch myself um, even now that I have the ability to to go out and do what I enjoy. Um, and like I said, from 17, not having a, not never really having a proper job and being paid to do what I enjoy, it, it, it's a massive thing. Like I said, like I had some great early years of, of records and um, 264 games of Bath and scoring 100 tries being the only person ever scored 100 tries professional era for them these are things but if anybody ever comes to my house there's nothing up for rugby there's no shirts there's no pictures I don't want to look back until I finish because I still believe I can give more I still believe I can be successful um, and not until the day where I have to knock on the door and say sorry Peter Pan's got to retire now I've got to grow <laughs> up that I'll still be moving forward and, and trying to improve. If it's not me, I want to try and improve others. And that's my aspiration now. I'm doing some coaching with the Gloucester under 17s and 18s. Oh, great. Um, and trying to take the pressure off them, try and get them to enjoy it, change how the pressure can be for them and try and make them smile because anything in life, you'll do better when you enjoy it. If you're too tense, you make mistakes and then you that, that, that pressure builds up and like I said I love golf and I see that in golf where pressure builds up on people and then it affects them whereas you look at the best golfers how they can change and adapt in a situation there's certain people like Tiger Woods in his heyday who who have an ability and a skill to be switched on the whole time but I think those times have evolved for the modern era and people have to be able to smile and enjoy speak to a caddy and even if it's me speaking to another player and laughing on the pitch because you have to be able to have that switch on, switch off uh, mindset. 
In 2011, you were picked to be a part of the England squad at the World Cup, which was, again, a phenomenal achievement in, in itself. Uh, but you're quoted as saying, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Why was that? Like, what is it that distinguishes a Rugby World Cup apart from anything else? Obviously, being picked to play in the England jersey is unreal, but being at a World Cup is something special. Yeah, Just describe I, some of those emotions. I think that the whole reason that that, that was such a an amazing um, experience was I am a kid from Jersey I, I've I, I had that wave and I, I I never tried to jump off the wave I stayed on it and the the, the level of of pride that I, I I gave myself from like you said being from Jersey that that opportunity which not a lot of people have or get that I I took it with two hands and I went there and I wasn't only playing for England but I was playing for everybody on Jersey um, to be the first person to go to from born and bred from Jersey to go to a World Cup, and to to do that was not only for me but for my parents, for my parents' friends, the people who've helped me in all sports, my school teachers, to go. Yeah, people can do this now. And since then, you see how Jersey are now pushing in the championship in in rugby. That they they've got a foothold in sport. Their football now playing in the UK sport. It, it probably wasn't me, but that sort of stuff can help people push forward I've been off the island for 15, 16 years now but people will go well Matt did it well, back in the day Graham Lasso did it with football um, and there's Serena Gunthrie who's an England netballer she's now done it so there's people there's an opportunity now if it's how the 21st century's evolved over the last 15 years probably but there's now an opportunity for people to to be as good as the English people but be from Jersey and that was the the sense of pride was the the one that got me going through mostly a kid from Jersey on the other side of the world in New Zealand um, playing in the World Cup was amazing and I was fortunate enough I think I was on the bench against Argentina didn't get on played against I can't remember if it was Romania or Georgia mm-hmm. didn't get I got rested against I got played game off the bench against Romania rested against Georgia came off the bench against Scotland played in the quarter final against France just had their best time ever and like I said you want to be able to, to win it that was, that didn't happen, but some of the experiences and the people I met and the the life lessons that you you want to have uh, in those five six weeks were incredible. Not from your own perspective, but some might look back on the 2011 Rugby World Cup as maybe not the best experience from an England perspective because of some of the on and off field altercations that happened. What was it about maybe that England setup at that time that led to some of those more fractious? Um, encounters because if you look at professional sport now yeah. in, at an international level it'd be it'd be difficult to see that happening obviously you have the small examples of you know Ben Stokes mm. um, at the nightclub and stuff but what was it about back then that may have may have allowed that to happen I think just well when, when my my parents came over to watch and they said oh, I might, I'll probably get the numbers wrong but they said they went on a boat trip and there was 20 journalists say on the boat mm. and they, she said, I think my parents said there was maybe 13 sports journalists on the on the plane and there were seven gossip uh, journalists away and my parents were why are you here and said we'll find something so a lot of the stuff that would have probably gone on happened with every other nationality but they didn't have these people looking for them and I think if you look at the way the the, the British sort of uh, newspapers look at sport it probably was how it got out because that's what they're looking for 
Queenstown, in theory, nothing was wrong. Yeah, boys just went out and had fun because we. That is Queenstown. I've been yeah. to Queenstown. It's it is a party town. Yeah, boys went bungee jumping. I rode a motorbike to the top of the Remarkables, um, but I wasn't around anybody who could take photos of me, which is there. Uh, the only other thing was we went to Mano was young and he jumped off the boat. He probably didn't notice you're not allowed to jump off the boat into the the harbour, but they're such minor things. Yeah. Whereas if you look back, Manu probably wouldn't have done it if he knew it was illegal. And the boys probably wouldn't have said jump off. So there's such small things that have blown out. The do just get picked up, like you say. Yeah. And I think sometimes when journalists have their noses out and sniffing for blood, yeah, um, it's, it's easy to, yeah. to find but it didn't, the smallest it didn't, of things. It didn't affect how we played. We no. still played some good rugby um, against France. We just let them get too many points in the first half. We beat them in the second half, but obviously not enough. And... The only the only thing that helps you is that France then got to the final, so we lost the quarter final yeah. against the people who got to the final. Even though it's not the best, that could have been us. Um, but at least it wasn't somebody who then got absolutely hammered in the in the semi final. For but. sure. Well, now looking at uh, twenty nineteen World Cup, we have seen the teams come now for the quarterfinals. Uh, who's who's gone through? You we we know the draws now. Who do you think is going to win the World Cup? I, I've always said it, I my heart. Because I'm English, I'll always say England. Yes. But my head w- believes that South Africa have got a good run. Um, I I believe. Obviously, you want to win all your games because it's it's the the strongest way to win it. But for them to lose against New Zealand in the the first game, I don't think was a bad thing for them because they come around the other way, and England then would meet New Zealand in the semi final, mm. which could take a lot out of you. Could t- take two or three boys out of your squad. Whereas, not saying South Africa will, but they've got a far greater squad um, than uh, they have done in previous years. And I believe that it'll be South Africa versus either England, New Zealand in the final. Nice. And then it'll be a tough old, tough old bruising encounter. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, uh, I, kind, of, kind of coming down to the end of this uh, podcast, I ask my guests uh, the same two questions at the end every time. The first one being... What piece of advice would you give your younger self looking back or indeed any young adults now? Uh, if it was myself, I'd probably say uh, my wife My wife would be, be smarter with money. Um, it's, even though we get paid well, it's not there just to be chucked around and, and wasted. I'm, I'm better now, I've got kids and stuff like that, but I was fortunate enough that when I first got into professional sport, Somebody said, get your house on the housing market. Just first thing, don't buy any cars or any flash. Get on the housing market. It's the best thing you'll ever do. That's the one thing I did, but I was, is it, is it, I just I wasted a bit of money around that on other stuff, which I probably didn't need to, um, which is, I can look back at it and say, well, I, I still get, enjoy, I'm in the position where I don't have to worry about that, but I could have had more if I didn't do that. Um, that's to myself, but to a younger person, enjoy it enjoy the, the ride uh, make sure your your basics are as best as they can be all the time um, and if you're not enjoying it there's no harm in saying do something else um, trying to chase something that for a lot of people I've been fortunate I've been playing rugby since I was 17 professionally um, now I'm 33 32 so I'm saying 16 years whereas the life expectancy of rugby players I think only 7 or 8 years so to try and try and fa- force some enjoyment in that small period not everybody has the ability to play a long career so just do something you enjoy mm. it might even be playing on a Saturday for your local team with your mates it could be as simple as that um, 
and just don't force it just enjoy it and that's it's such an easy thing to say but I believe that there's f- so many people I see 18, 19 year olds come on and they they don't enjoy it and I'm thinking you could be doing something you could enjoy and still playing still being a good player somewhere else for sure and the final question today is what does the word headstrong mean to you? Um, headstrong to me would be um, knowing what you want and and, and and being using the strength that you've got to, to believe in yourself to go forward um, I just I knew that I was good at sport and you had to commit to it and, and enjoy it and when I got given the opportunity like we've alluded to the whole thing that um, I've carried on backing myself and whenever I've had doubters that I've, I've been headstrong and I've been uh, back myself through everything I know people are faster than me but I try and make my brain move twice as quick as them so I know exactly what they're going to do so it doesn't matter how fast their legs go I'm going to be in the position before them and I get every so often somebody will run faster than me but that's life you look at running races apart from Usain Bolt people win 100 metre race different winners all the time because people get a good jump every so often so but just sticking with it and being strong and uh, going forward Matt, thank you so much for your time it's been great best of luck with this season uh, and I'll see you soon no cheers thank you very much I just want to say a huge huge thank you to Matt Banahan for that fantastic episode but that is it I'm afraid until next week where I will have as you heard there in the interruption Ben Morgan coming on to have a little chat to me I hope you enjoyed it please do go tell all your family and friends Anyone else, any rugby lovers, go rate us, go subscribe and you'll get all the updates and go check us out on Instagram as well. For now though, I'm going to hand over to Damien Hopley to tell you a little bit about Restart Rugby. My name is Damien Hopley, Group Chief Executive of the Rugby Players Association. Restart is the official charity of the RPA and the charity provides crucial support to current and former professional rugby players suffering from serious injury, illness or hardship. Since 2005, Restart has invested over 1.7 million into player welfare and support by funding medical treatment, rehabilitation or disability support, financial support and emotional support by providing a 24-7 confidential counselling service and we're the only body in English rugby that invests in mental health support. One in four people in the UK will be affected by mental illness in any year. Rugby players are no exception and often the pressures and strains that act as a catalyst to mental health issues are magnified for professional athletes. Players often find it difficult to cope with the transition out of rugby and the reality is that over 60% of players reported mental health issues post-retirement and over 50% of players take two years or longer to be in control of their lives post-rugby. In 2008, the Rugby Players Association and Restart launched a 24-7 telephone helpline and counselling service to provide vital mental health support to those players and families that were facing struggles. 42 current and former players accessed the confidential counselling last year. More than 140 players have accessed the counselling service over the past three seasons. Every year, Restart spends up to £60,000 on our confidential counselling service to help support our players. Without support from donors and fundraisers, Restart would simply not be able to continue this vital support for our players. Sadly, these mental health issues can lead to devastating consequences. Suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 in the UK, and rugby players are not immune. 
It's great to see the players talking more openly about their mental health struggles within rugby and after they finish playing. Thank you for all your support towards Restart. Without people like yourselves, we could not help players and their families in the way that we do. So thank you all very much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.